Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church New Bern podcast. My name is Paul Scott Sharinsky. I am your host, and I am finally reunited with my regular <laughs> co-host, the Reverend Dr. A.P. Anna Pinkney Straight. Hey, Anna. Hey, Paul Scott. We should note, I'm going to be here for two weeks, and then we're going to have guest hosts for several weeks, because we got new people. There are new voices, new stories, new things to laugh about. Yes, this is exciting. Our new um, associate music director, is that the title? Um, associate Director of Music and Organist, Daniel Sansone. Got it. And then just a week later, we get our Associate Pastor. Patrick Ryan. In fact, um, Daniel and his wife have already moved in. Patrick is moving in this coming week. They had some holdups with the closing of their home in Virginia, which happens in real estate. He is actually expecting to be here sometime later this week, early next weekend. He will be in worship on Sunday. Daniel will be playing the organ next Sunday. Um, I'm just I'm just telling you. This is exciting. So if you're listening to this right away, we have two summer sermons left, like two holy curiosities, Correct. two, two ten, 10 o'clock. O'clocks. Right. And then two ten o'clock worship services left. Yes. And then we go back to two services. September 10th. Which is the Sunday after Labor Day? Correct. Memorial Day weekend through Labor Day weekend, we do one service at 10. So that way it's not date-based. We don't have to say it's June, July, August. We know it's those holiday weekends that are 10. Okay. Well, I have an imaginary list here. I mean, this podcast is going to be two hours long. Just well, kidding. I just have to be in worship at 10, so yeah, whatever so actually, you got to no, do. We only have five minutes. Uh, first of all, we're worried about Spanky, so if you're a regular listener, you haven't seen him yet? I, I have not seen Spanky. I did see a cat across the street when I pulled in this morning. I don't think it was Spanky. Uh, I don't have... Uh, the list is too long. I don't have time to go into the backstory, but Spanky's a neighborhood cat, and just listen to our past episodes. You can hear his whole exciting summer, but we yes. just haven't seen him in a while. And I no longer have a daughter who's working at a restaurant and club downtown, because she was also providing Spanky updates. Right. So I no longer have my late night downtown connection because I'm old. I'm home at night. Speaking of me being old, you know, I kept referencing um, that you were in Wyoming and I was trying to make like Star Wars jokes to everyone that you were with a <laughs> you were Yoda, like Presbyterian Yoda training, like in a cave somewhere. But sometimes I feel like I made those comments to people and they're too young, like they don't watch Star Wars and they have no idea. So they just like were like, Paul Scott just said Anna was in a cave somewhere, and it got kind of weird. How was Wyoming? Wyoming was wonderful. I've been going to the same retreat center for 10 years now. Um, It's a time of hiking and conversation and seminars. So the seminar leader, and you'll be hearing about this, has has a book coming out entitled The Just Kitchen. Um, And it's someone I've sort of followed some of his writings for several years. So to get him to hear him talk about it was, it was really, really good. So I've ordered the book, I suspect there'll be a class on it. Um, But also just all the conversations you have with interesting people during the day. So I talked about capital campaigns, staffing, parenting young adults. Um, you, you just sort of cover all of these different things in different times with people, which makes it just it's a very enriching time. It's called Renewal in Sacred Wilderness. And that's really what it is. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, there are pictures that you posted on just social media look beautiful. Yes, I, I will say when I got back, I got back at about 3.45 Monday morning and had to be in the office by noon that day. So I have a post for Facebook that I've been writing in my head, sort of talking about the week. Because really the pictures I post don't really show all the conversation in the classes because quite frankly, what's the more beautiful vista? The mountaintop that I've 
that I'm standing on doing a, a Fraulein Maria moment from Sound of Music or the classroom where I sat in the evening and listened. Well, the mountaintop gets on the Instagram, um, but it's really so much more. So I have a post that's in my head, but okay. Well, that's great. Uh, next on the list, uh, I'm thinking about it because I work at Craven County Schools, but uh, it's a school night, friends. If you're listening to this on Monday, it's the first day of school. Wow. So, so, um, uh, shout out to all of our first prez youth that are heading back. Yes, uh, I think Tiffany and Parrot have started. I've seen lots of pictures. So we're actually doing the blessing of the backpacks today in worship. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep. Great. Excellent. Um, another youth thing uh, I thought about is uh, Catherine Campbell uh, asked me to, to speak in October to parents yes. about um, kind of like internet safety and mm -hmm. uh, young people. I've been an educator for, wow, like 17 years now. I have <laughs> you kids. You started when you were Let 10? Let me just tell you this. This is true. I have students who I had as fifth graders who are on Hulu TV shows now. So wow. I've been Any around. particular Hulu TV show it's you a, want to reference? It, it's uh, some Fleisch, Fleischman show. It has it has Claire Danes in it. Like, it's a show. Wow. And she she's uh, Ava is her name, and I had her in fifth grade. And, and yeah, she's an actress now, so... Uh, my my uh, wife was I was like looking at my phone the other day and my wife was like, what are you what are you watching? And I was like, a Buffalo Wild Wings commercial with one of my students in it. So that's, that's what I was so doing. cool. So anyways, my yes. point, my point School is school starts I've, tomorrow. I, and I've had these uh, little kids all the way through adulthood. So and I'm an educator. So hopefully I'm a good candidate for that class. So if you have a, a tween or a teen uh, and you want to hear about uh, um, and, and really learn from each other, because I'm kind of a facilitator these days uh, of parents that are there and what the, what works with their kids and the Internet and safety. Absolutely. So. Yes. And for the first day of school, we always encourage kids, make sure no one's sitting alone, you know, high five someone, compliment them on their haircut. Um, but, you know, we're, we're there to make sure people are welcome and joyful and know that they are loved. All right. Well, everyone, we hope you have a good week. Be careful out there. We have a lot of rain coming, which is good for our lawns. Yes, and good if you want to sit on the porch and just watch it rain. Yes, lots of rain coming, but uh, North Carolina needs it. So hopefully we will um, get it and be safe. And uh, While yeah. all hurricanes and tropical storms will say, stay well offshore. Yeah, they seem to be still sort of around, but not too bad. So everyone, have a great and safe week. Have a great first day of school. And we will talk to you, Anna, and I will talk to you again next week. Absolutely. See you then. Our God, your name and your word are exalted above everything. We are listening for your word. We are looking for your light. By the power of the Holy Spirit, renew our minds and hearts so that we may discern your will and respond in faith. We pray this just as we pray all things in the name of your Son, our Savior. Amen. Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the letter Colossians, the third chapter, starting with the 12th verse. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against one another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, 
because that binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This summer, we've embarked on this sermon series entitled Holy Curiosity, in which I invited you to give me questions, questions about things in the life of faith or the Bible, questions that you wanted to hear explored faithfully. We are now in the 13th of these series. We have one more week, and today the topic is forgiveness. Forgiveness sometimes makes the news. In 2006, an Amish community in Pennsylvania found themselves in the news for a second time. The first was for an unspeakable tragedy that had happened in their community, that had happened to their children. The second was for the way in which they publicly forgave the perpetrator and embraced his family, both financially and emotionally. It was difficult for a parent to imagine how a community could extend that kind of forgiveness. It's a choice that that community made that day, the very day that the atrocity happened, and as has been followed up on, a choice they've made each and every day since then, each and every day as they have grieved and sought to heal and wanted to do so faithfully. Stephen Nold is a professor of Amish studies at Elizabethtown College, and he said that for most people, forgiveness and acceptance comes at the end of a long emotional process. But for that Amish community, they forgave first and then worked through the emotions of it. He calls it decisional forgiveness, which opens a space to offer someone friendship that would normally in that situation be uncomfortable. Because, as many have pointed out, for the Amish community, they are not about grand gestures, but about daily choices in their life of faith. Josh Fleet wrote about it and said, the man who walked over to his neighbor's home as members of his community, while he was still waiting to find out who would be alive, wanted to tell his neighbor that they were still connected to the community by love. He was going to make a gesture to God to forgive. He hadn't forgiven and forgotten already, but by making that statement, he was open to forgiveness. Forgiveness. It made the news again in a similar kind of way in 2015, when many of the members of the families of the horrific events at the Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, publicly forgave the person responsible. But here, not all of them did that. While Trina in Middleton wrote about a different approach. While Trina's cousin, DePayne, was one of those who was killed in that church that evening. She took a different approach to forgiveness, and here's how she wrote about it. 
She wrote, my heart still trembles and aches from the loss of my cousin to pain. Our sweet, beautiful songbird Depp and the litany of names of ancestors who join a roll call of hashtags. Forgiveness, she wrote, is not a part of my narrative at this time. And I am at peace with that because it is my right, my lament, my purging, and my process of healing and reconciling. Yet I also see hope for humanity in the witness of Depp's four remarkable daughters who will tell their mother's story, honoring her wholeness in body, mind, and spirit, all of her divine in the image of God. She continued and said, when we are denied our very right to lament, when the narrative forces us into a stage of forgiveness before true reconciliation has taken place, the suggestion is that our lives don't matter, not even to us. To insist that we forgive before we have been granted the dignity to grieve, claim the bodies of our loved ones and offer proper rituals at a last rite is a breach of trust by all who exploited that narrative for their own gain. We can be committed, she said, to love and radical hospitality, to welcoming the stranger in our midst, to extending a seat to join us at the table, while also maintaining our right to be angry and righteously resist the violence against humanity. To insist on a narrative for forgiveness is dehumanizing and violent, and it goes against the very nature of lament. As Christians, we celebrate the donning of ashes and sackcloth, as priestly acts of lamentation and mourning. Why deny families in a watershed moment of grief this right to lament? We have here two very different, very public acts of response to violence. Which one is doing forgiveness right? The question for this week's sermon came to me very simply. Do I have to forgive? Well, faithfully, emphatically, the answer is yes. But that's not the whole answer. Because forgiveness is one of those things that is a destination to which there are many routes. And there is no one right way to forgive. There is no one single road to this place. Only several, multiple roads, different roads that travel around this central concept to our faith of forgiveness, around the central understanding of God as the source and the sustenance and our very own redemption. Forgiveness, in its truest biblical sense, is about letting go for yourself, and not always about accountability, not always about erasing the past. As Desmond Tutu said, forgiveness is not being asked to forget. Forgiveness means abandoning your right to pay back the perpetrator in his own coin. It's faithful to lament. It's faithful not to embrace a false forgiveness before you've done the work you need to do. It's faithful to proclaim forgiveness and then have that open a door through which you will later walk. It's faithful to live into forgiveness with your thoughts and your actions of compassion. Sometimes forgiveness takes a lot of time and a lot of work, particularly if we are the ones who need to earn that forgiveness and need to do that work of repentance in the hopes that it will lead to reconciliation. And often we do so knowing that sometimes 
Even forgiveness won't fix things. And Joseph carefully crafts tests to make sure that his brothers, as he knows them then, are not the same as they were when they threw him in a pit and sold him and told their father he was dead. He makes sure he's not walking into the same situation again before he forgives them. Now, sometimes we forgive simply because we want to let go of that burden of anger or hurt or resentment. We don't want it to take up room in our lives anymore. Carrying that is heavy and it is hard. And sometimes that forgiveness is a gift to ourselves, a release, a letting go. I don't want to carry that heavy weight anymore. It's often been said that not forgiving is like eating outdated sushi and expecting the person who hurt you to get sick. (laughs) It doesn't work. Sometimes we forgive to let go. And sometimes we can forgive because the person who hurt us has been willing to do that hard work of acknowledging where they went wrong and the work of reconciliation and repentance, changing so that things move forward differently. It comes in many different forms and fashions. But what I don't think can be argued is that forgiveness is central to the life of faith, however we find it, wherever we embrace it. And we know that our forgiveness and God's forgiveness are not separate things. They are linked. As it says in the prayer that we say every week, and you possibly say multiple times during your own week, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We say it every week, there are connections. There is something about how we forgive that also teaches us about how God forgives us. My friend and colleague Chris Tuttle writes, at first glance, these words in our Lord's Prayer seems to say that our failure to forgive undoes God's forgiveness. God takes back what is given if we don't give as God gives. But, says theologian Miroslav Volf, that's too literal a meaning. The point of the story, Volf claims, may be simply that God's forgiveness and our forgiveness go hand in hand. Rather than triggering a loss of God's forgiveness, our unforgiveness may just make manifest that we have not allowed ourselves to receive God's pardon. Being forgiven by God and being able to forgive one another are inextricably intertwined, Wolf argues. And my friend Chris says, I think he's on to something here, that our inability to forgive might be a sign of a spiritual problem within ourselves, our own inability to see and understand and to live into God's real forgiveness of us. If we can't believe, can't grasp that God would forgive us and transform us despite all that we've said and been and done, then of course we're going to have trouble forgiving someone else. That's not to say that it's easy. Forgiving someone who has hurt us or hurt someone we love is probably one of the most difficult things we have to face in this world. But if we claim to be Christian people, that's what we must do. And it is through prayer and through hard work 
through the support of communities of people who value forgiveness, that we can do it. And that communal element is so important. We rarely have the strength on our own, especially in a world that cries for vengeance. But Christian communities must be, at their core, forgiveness communities. At its core. Not just in the middle. Forgiveness is also at the sides and at the back and in the front and above and below us. It's what we do. It's who we are. It's knit into our hearts. The hearts that God created. Forgiveness. It's an invitation into the vulnerable power of God. And maybe... Maybe one of the most challenging parts of all of this are not these huge, grand gestures of forgiveness, but the small ones we practice each and every day, particularly the ways in which we learn to forgive ourselves. Forgiving ourselves may be one of the most challenging things each one of us has to do. Forgive ourselves. And set our own selves free from the guilt and the hurt and the disappointment when we don't behave, when we don't live out, when we don't reach into our faith the way we know we should. Forgiveness is just as much that as it is for others. Friends, none of us, none of us forgive the same or grieve the same or respond the same. None of us faces the same situations in life. But we do, as a community of faith, pray that we are all moving in the same direction, in the same direction towards a God who desires nothing more than sweet reunion with us. A journey on which we are accompanied by Jesus. Jesus, who has already forgiven us and waits to greet us with open arms. And to greet him, we have to let go of what we are so busy carrying. Forgiveness. Yes. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, may the God who forgives, Christ who calls, and the Spirit who empowers bless us all and increase our faith, courage, and joy, now and always. And I invite you to remain seated for the post-love.